This is CliffCentral.com. All right. Good afternoon to everyone on the Unplugged and In Charge show on Cliff Central. This is your boy, Sibokuzi. Welcome again to another edition of the show. And I can promise you that today it's going to be another jam-packed show that you don't want to leave your... Either you're tuned in to, to Cliff Central via the... The, the desktop and www.cliffcentral.com or you tune in via your phone and you've downloaded the Cliff Central app onto your phone. Thank you so much for going to that length and welcome to everyone, everyone that I'm aware that you tuned in, to everybody that is supportive of the Unplugged and In Charge show and supportive of tuning in to Cliff Central. Thank you so much. And again, as I'm saying, it's Bokuzi. You can tune in and actually keep up with us. If you want to interact with us, we have a WhatsApp line at 079-748-2090. It's 079 079- 7482090. If you want to actually uh, be part of the show and ask any questions, because today's show is all about finances, inspiration. It's a whole lot of things in that are together. I have a fantastic, fantastic um, guest on the show uh, by the name of Anne Wilson. She's going to be coming through. You're going to hear what it is that she has for you today. But I'm excited. Hey, I haven't been on air for a while. I'm very excited to be back. And again, it was a good break. Um, I had a couple of things that were going on and I'm very excited to say that things are just going in the right direction. We always talk about inspiration and making sure that you stay pushing, you stay motivated and you stay doing what you need to do to, in order to achieve those goals. But it is important at the same time that as, as we progress and we go along, we try to pick up a couple of lessons we learn. We're always open to be taught because we don't know, we do not know everything. Even to those that we perceive and think that have, that have, have made it, they're still learning from other people. That are actually above them Or actually um, colleagues that are in the same level Whatever the case might be But this show is all about inspiration Trying to gear up uh, we're, in t- we're going towards um, the end of the week and we are sure going to give you some material and things for you to get you inspired because we're all about inspiration. But yeah, um, I must say that I'm very excited again with all the buzz in the country, um, with the celebration of, um, Nelson Mandela. It's a hundred years this year. And I think it's really, really great. There's been a positive, there's been negative comments about it. I do not know where the negative comments are coming from because we can only be thankful for everything that the man has done. And at least, even if there were mistakes, we cannot really focus on the bad, but po- po- focus on the positive. And I really, there, are, there is so much to be thankful for And as a young person in the country of South Africa I'm really, really thankful to be uh, be Part of the generation that actually experiences Some of the first fruits of the country um, Having come from uh, a very rough history in the, in the country And I think the whole celebration of Mandela It is really to remind us And to really go back Because I always say that In order to understand the future We need to understand the past and, the, and, and what happened before And I think it's important His celebration of 100 years It reminds us of what it is That we actually need to be thankful for sometimes we can take things for granted, especially for the young ones that are growing up in our day and age. It's important to remind them to say, "Hey, there's a man that actually fought for us, even though he did work some um, with some other people." But we're thankful for um, to God that you know he fought for freedom, and we have the things that we have today. We have opportunities. I had the privilege of actually traveling to Mozambique um, and just to spend some time there, and I was really, really shocked to see. That um, some of the basic opportunities that we have in the country in South Africa Those people don't have anything I mean as simple as having grant money for the kids The government does not Look, I'm not trying to bash down the government from Mozambique But some of the stories and the things that you come across um, When you visit other African countries You will realize that we are so, so privileged And I came back from that trip My mind was transformed Some things that I took for granted I really started being so thankful for them 
and to really just um, embrace whatever opportunity and platform that I'm that I'm in. And I thought that I should just share this because it really sparked um, some some really deep thoughts to to introspect myself and say, hey, are you really thankful that you are in South Africa and you have the opportunities that you have? And the night, and the nice thing that it, I went to, to the trip just before we celebrate, um, that the Mandela's, um, Holy Shasha Mandela's uh, birth, um, I mean, sorry, 100th birthday. And, um, you know, when I actually reflect and when I was going through the towns and I was talking to the people and the funny thing is there, um, where I was, you will hardly find someone that lives in the streets and they're asking for money. And the majority, if not 80, 80% of the people that came to me, um, they were selling me something They were trying to convince me to buy their product it, it, I mean, we always talk about entrepreneurship But entrepreneurship, it starts with some of the most basic things that we overlook And those people are actually selling They are salespeople for their own benefit But the sad part is It is so bad that the people right there You know, they're not, they're not selling stuff So that they can buy themselves some nice fancy clothes They can be able to afford the luxury of doing things that they like Or they're taking themselves on holiday Look, the unemployment rate is so drastic. It's it's really, really, really disappointing. And it's sad to see that the majority of people, they are just working just to survive. It's nothing that's of luxury where you can, you know, afford to buy yourself things. I mean, you see parents with their kids selling in the streets. I mean, look, man, we always hear about these things, but I can tell you when you have it firsthand, it's another situation. And I was really, really touched. And I'm back here in South Africa to really, to be one of those people that whoever that I speak to, whatever platform that I have, actually share some of the stories and the things that I come across. But hey, it was a worthwhile experience. It was a way. And at the same time, as much as we can focus on the bad things, Africa is beautiful. And it shows that Africa is the continent. Africa is the one. We always hear it on TV. We hear it on um, on radio. We hear some of our big statesmen, uh, leaders um, talking about it, people in the finance field, people who understand what wealth people understand economics at large in terms of worldwide and when i speak about economics we still speak about entrepreneurship and wilson will be explaining some of the things there and we'll tell you some of the secrets that you need to know at home and some of the things that you need to keep within your pockets to make sure that you run your finances and you drift the right direction you don't find yourself in debt because debt is something else that a lot of people go through and it's something that we really really do not want to go through but yeah i think i'm gonna I'm going to quickly tell you about something quickly um, that you need to know back home. Um, and that is, what if you were told you were going to live to 200 years old? As Salem turns 100, they are looking ahead to the future. The 200-year-old is a future-facing fa- podcast based on leading science. Featuring the voices of Nambita, Mpulwana, and Tapelo Mokwena, it's the story of Lesedi Ndaba told in the year 2218. It's a podcast that pulls back the curtain to the world of the future. Visit the 200yearold.co.za to listen or find out more on cliffcentral.com. I hope you heard heard that correctly. And again, it's something that is exciting that back at home you can actually look forward to. But yeah, on the show, I'm going to introduce to you guys <coughs> Miss Ann Wilson. She's going to be joining us on the show. Welcome on the Unplugged and In Charge show. Thank you for making the space for us to yeah get real about it. 
Look, um, I'm really excited and I actually want to learn a thing or two from you. I'm not only hosting the show, but also yes. I'm looking out to hear some things that I can also pick, you know, to in order to add into my value. Oh, and, you know, and you were speaking about just celebrating Madiba's 100th birthday, the centenary of his extraordinary life. And, you know, there's a quote and I'm going to paraphrase, I'm going to get wrong, but, you know, Really addressing poverty and dealing with these socioeconomic challenges around finance and personal finance and, and money and liberation isn't an act of charity. It actually is an act of justice because there's an aspect of just people being able to get to grips with the money stuff, how to get it in their life, how to manage it, how to grow it is, is about personal dignity. And yes, it's, you know, there's, there's different levels of it. It's also about, you know, we can talk about wealth and freedom, but there's this whole aspect, which is just, it's a vital element of us just existing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Mediba was, you know, so supportive of that. And that also education around it was so key. Yeah. And so that's why I'm so glad to be able to be here to be part of that, that uh, fight for justice. Jeez, I'm really honored to have you on the show. But yeah, let's, let's, before we actually, um, proceed, um, just let us know where, where's, um, Annie Wilson from? Oh. Where where do where do your humble beginnings come from? Well, you know, I know my accent doesn't sound like it, but I'm actually a Zulu chick. Wow, really? I'm <laughs> <laughs> not looking. At? But you know, I, I my accent's all over the place. But I grew up in KZN. Wow, okay. And just a, um, I was number five of six kids in this big family, and and one of those families where you know, dad worked hard to earn money to try and keep everybody survive and get educated. Mum worked hard to just keep us alive and not kill each other, and it was. You know, we never really spoke about money. It was all just about, you know, work hard, study hard, get a good job. Yeah. And then, um, my dad died relatively young, leaving my mum with these six kids mm-hmm. and really no clue what to do with when you're managing the money day to day was one thing, but how did she ensure she was going to be okay financially for the whole journey of life? And I got to watch and really understand that deep anxiety that came with money. And I vowed that I never wanted that to be me. Mm-hmm. But the only thing I knew was study hard, work hard, you know, get a good job. So, you know, just real quickie, I, you know, I went and did an engineering degree. I thought that's going to make me feel safe around money. Sure. Which, you know, the, the get a good job, which most of us are taught. And this is part of the big challenge. We, we, most of what we're taught about money doesn't actually create wealth mm-hmm. for us. Okay. It teaches us how to earn it, but not create wealth. And they're very different stories and completely different paths. And so I got my first job and together with it, I got the credit card and the car loan and the student loan. And I went into that dreadful debt that you speak about yes. and, and realized that this very anxiety I was hoping to avoid around money stuff was there. I was now in this big debt hole and that then, oh, you know, managed to climb out of that. And mm-hmm. it was just awful. And then I thought, well, if I just save a whole lot of money and I do spend as little as I can and I hopefully if I can suppress needs that I have then maybe I'll be okay so I'd swung from this one extreme to another and by that stage I'd you know picked up a bloke along the way I'd got married he was worse at the money stuff than me and so I went even more into what we can't have what we can't do this whole contraction and so that all just blew up in a messy money drama Mm -hmm. and the marriage and the money walked out the door And there I was sitting in my early 30s feeling decidedly unsuccessful at life, going, you know, everything I'd I'd worked hard, I'd been working hard for over 10 years, had nothing to show for it, all of these things. And it was really at that point I thought, hang on, 
this can't just because I'm be because I'm blonde and a bit stupid. Yes. You know, <laughs> there must be something else that I've just was never taught, never got around. How can I have financial security? How can I have some financial well-being? How can I, you know, have know that my future is going to be okay, but mm. also have some fun now? Mm. And that's when I really stopped and said, "Hang on, maybe there's a whole area of money and wealth." And that I was never taught, not at school. And we're not, we're not taught this thing at all. And it really started a deep dive journey for me. And that was then one of the big, the big realizations I had was that earning and money in, in actually money was not what I wanted. Now that might sound weird and I'm not being esoteric and woo woo here. Yeah. I'm not being like, Oh, because there's more to life. Sure. As long as I believed that if I could just earn more money, if I could just get more money, I'd be okay. Well, the problem was I could never then break out of the working for money. Mm-hmm. And so I could never actually be free. And I started reading some books and I realized that actually what I wanted were assets, investments. Because investments would earn me money. But if I kept focusing on believing that I wanted more money, I would never focus on getting assets. And this was a huge transformation in my life. And it just started an extraordinary hunt of realizing, oh, my God, you know, now this is this is completely different focus. Mm -hmm. How do I learn how to invest? How do I get assets in my life that can grow in value and earn income for me? Because when I've got enough of those Mm -hmm. that can earn me the income I need for my lifestyle, then I'm free. And that is the journey I started. And I just became super hungry about learning about doing this, creating them. And I created my freedom in eight years. Wow. I know. With just focus. And I feel, I feel deeply lucky that this happened, Mm -hmm. but also that, and deeply grateful. You know, we speak about gratitude as one so, so so important. But, and, but deeply privileged that somehow I found this world of assets and went into that and understood along the way that, you know, a whole lot of the stuff we're going to cover today. But, you know, that was 13 years ago that I created my freedom. So I'm talking about a journey that's been going almost for 20 years. And I've been financially free for 13 years. So that means I, for 13 years, my assets earn me the income that I want. So I work by choice. Um, I, I just have the most amazing freedom. And it was then in that that I realized, wow, so many people struggle with this area, just like I had struggled. Now, and that's when I decided to create the Wealth Chef and do what I now do. That is so, so amazing. And, you know, the, the funny thing is you, you say you say that <laughs> you by the age of 30, you, you found yourself in a position whereby you, you just felt like a failure, that yeah. you have not really achieved anything. No. And, um, you know... You, you, you really have wasted, in a sense, your, your, your time. Yeah. And it, it's so powerful because, um, there's the, a lot of times people by that age, again, you, I mean, it, it's a general norm where people say that, you know, you need to be at a stage whereby you've settled down, you have assets, you have things yeah. and all of that, but you had to start from scratch. And where did you get that motivation to do that? You know, the, the deepest motivation was I really, Dug down, you know, in this low point, I had remembered a story that I'd read that at the end of the day, as we're on our deathbed, all of our dreams and our goals and our hopes and all the things that we'd wanted to experience and travel and all those things sort of come around us and sort of come to us and say, you know, we, we thought you were going to bring us to life. 
um, that you know you had it, you've, you had everything in you to do all this, but you were too afraid, or you you made excuses. There were reasons, and now we're going to have to die with you. And it sounds quite brutal, but when I really realized, you know, I'd seen my dad die young, I realized at the end of the day, I think we're truly here to experience life. Mm-hmm. To be creative, to expand. And I just knew so much of my life, I was using the story about I didn't have the money, um, that I couldn't do it. Everything was what I couldn't do. And I just really saw a wasted life ahead of me. And that just felt extraordinarily painful. And it was Imagine. in that place that I went, hang on. You know, I could sit here and feel sorry for myself or I could accept mediocre or I could just really make a commitment mm-hmm. and a choice because I truly b- realized that there was another world. There mm-hmm. was another world that I just hadn't been shown. Yes. That I could find it. Mm-hmm. So I think it was that really being able to move forward and go, I could wallow around or I could numb myself. Mm-hmm. But actually at the end of it all, I don't want to regret this life. Yes. All right. And that was it. Now, I heard you say something about the fact that there's a difference between um, working and trying to make money and creating wealth. What are the difference between the two things? Because there are people, I mean, the, what you're mentioning is something that is very critical because you find that there's a lot of people that are actually in, in jobs. Um, I know that we come from different backgrounds. We have different commitments. And... It, you know, it's other someone did go to school, like you said, you want to study engineering. Okay. They they got the qualification that they always always wanted, yeah. and that's deemed to be the one. Yeah. But you find that when they go into the working space environment, they're doing things that they really don't enjoy. Maybe yeah. their work is 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 really putting in. It's you have to put so much effort. It's draining you. The hours are long, and everything just seems to just hold you back, especially from the joy that you thought you would have. Yeah. And now you find that there's others that quit their jobs and they choose to follow their dreams. Now, I would imagine that you're trying to create a contrast between the two things. What is the difference between those? Well, you know, yes and no. I'm also saying, you know, I think it's a deep privilege to work. I think it's a deep privilege to have a job. I think it's, a, it's, it's an extraordinary privilege to be able to earn money for the value we bring into the world. Yes. And so I actually created my financial freedom whilst I had a full-time job. I still get work and because that was, I could exchange that. But if that's the only way I can bring money in, I can never be free. And so it was super important that I understood why I was working. One, absolutely for that expression. And you don't, of, of, and and being able to bring money in and, and contribute to the world, but you don't want to be stuck in a job that you hate just because you're bringing money in. But if that's the only thing you do, you can never be free. And sure. that's why I was saying, so one thing's really important to go, we can earn money and we need to earn money and bring that in. Initially, we are the, we are our first asset we have. Mm-hmm. That's what we have in exchange awesome. for money. Yeah. But then we've got to be thinking, ah, I've got to get these other things that can do the work instead of me. Because that's how we create freedom. And it's these assets that then earn the money for us. But the biggest challenge is we've been told from, you know, almost the moment we pop out the womb that we work for money. That the way we get money is we go and work for it. We exchange our time, our energy. And so that's where we can get fixated that it's more income, more earning. If we just get the next contract or a better job or a better job, then we'll be okay. And it creates a cycle of poverty because we never actually break out of that, that prison of working for money. And so this is the key distinction of going, it's not that having a job's bad, but it's only assets that can create real wealth, which comes with it 
the freedom of choice. Mm-hmm. Because then when you've got assets or other things earning for you, then you can choose to leave that job you don't like or that relationship that's suppressing you mm. or go and follow your dreams. Mm-hmm. And so this is that, that side. I mean, there's a lot of other stuff we could speak yes, on that, but also even knowing what the hell we want. Yes. But when we have that base support of understanding how money works and how assets work, then we go, oh, wow, I do have choice. I have choice. And that to me is, is the essence. Now, what I want to know, um, cause we have, we, this is a show that has a, quite a lot of young people that tune into it and they get the podcasts and they listen to them. And, um, you find that, um, there's a lot of young people that move from, um, graduating from varsity and they go to the work, work, working environment, a work yeah. world. And you find that they go into debt because they're not really taught. Yeah. How to manage their, their, their funds. As you say, they are taught how to make the money, <coughs> but not so much really in terms of managing the funds. And I, I heard you say to me that you, you were one of those that really went deep into the debt. And what yeah. advice would you have for a young person that's either, you know, in that space where they find themselves, they have this money that's coming in. It's exciting, you know, but now because of the excitement, they get overexcited and they start buying things. Yeah. And the next thing they see, they don't even, Realize that they've actually oh. delved themselves into debt. What advice would you have for a young person back home? Oh, Simonella, it's such a great question because this is, I think, one of the greatest barriers to freedom. And, you know, we, as again, we're celebrating Madiba in his time. All, so many people, we fought so hard for one kind of freedom only to have slid into a different kind of prison and a, and a prison of debt. And I, and I know it sounds Quite harsh for me to say it, but actually we've got huge forces that want to have people in debt because he or she that controls the debt has the power. And as we understand money better, we can learn down the line. We can actually use borrowing to accelerate our wealth, but we have to use it in a way that empowers us. Unfortunately, most people have used debt against them, Mm. and this is consumer debt. So as long as you are spending money that you don't have on something that you're going to consume or it's going to just disappear or have no value you know, today or tomorrow, Mm. you are effectively selling your future life force. And so you can't, you, you in this kind of prison, you mm-hmm. can't do anything. And absolutely. I mean, I ended up going deep into debt hole because one, I thought that was just the way it was done. I think first thing, we, we're not taught any other way. It's as though that is just the way of the world. As 100%. soon as, you know, I had a student loan because I put myself through studies, then, you know, got the credit card. And I thought that's what I needed to be to be successful, to fit in, almost to be worthy, yeah. you know, of, of life, of, of, of being, you know, of breath. Yeah. You, know? <laughs> you know, you had to have these things. Yes. And... It, it, it took, I think I'm obviously a bit of an overachiever because I think it took me less than 18 months from starting work to where literally I was working to pay debt. That, that was all I was doing because the amount of debt I'd managed to get, which, you know, it can happen in a heartbeat. All those repayments were just chewing up all of my salary. Mm. And this is when I again realized that the, I couldn't continue this way. You can't, you, and you also can't dig yourself out of a debt hole with more debt. Mm. So the first thing is to realize that debt will never create freedom. You just, it just isn't. It's, it's, it eats away at wealth. And so if we have to have to use it to do it with extreme consciousness and understand the full cost. Secondly, know the cost of your borrowing. Understand your interest rates. And third key point is please don't make decisions on the minimum monthly repayment. 
that is exactly how the marketing makes us think we can afford it. Mm. And so when we make the decision on the minimum monthly repayment, we, we stock us up and we go into what I call a money flow, you know, in the Welsh book and, and at the, at the event, I'll be speaking about money flows. We get into this borrow more money flow and because we make decisions on what's the minimum monthly repayment and it's almost as though we've been told the name of the game is how fast can we get rid of the money in our life. Yes. You know, firstly, how quickly can we spend all the money we make mm-hmm. and then how quickly can we spend the money where you can borrow. Yes, yes. And the more we make decisions on these month minimum repayments, the, the worse it gets for us. You know, when you're paying on a minimum repayment, the thing that you've bought and you're paying off will take between 12 and 15 years to fully be paid off. Wow. And then you go, that thing that you bought on sale, really? You know, and some people might say, but Anne, you know, this is for things like a car or something. Absolutely. Sometimes we have to use that to just create access to opportunity. But do it with eyes wide open. Yes. Never buy a new car. Negotiate. Understand the cost. You know, get money savvy. So you do it with consciousness. Now, if you find yourself in a debt hole, it's really important to then, one, You've got to make the decision to get out of it and, and know that, as I say, you can't dig your way out. So you can't consolidate your debt or get another loan or something and hope that's going to work. So you've got to go a bit cold turkey. And you, the way you do that is you focus on, on the freedom that it's going to give you. So I was able to climb out of my debt hole in 18 months and I went radical, you know, and actually, so it was 94. So it was at the time of our liberation in the country was amazing that I made this decision. Mm. So I'm talking, you know, so now I'm giving away my age, but (laughs) hey, and I decided to go radical, Mm. you know, because I think if we truly value ourselves and we claim back and go, no, this is my life, Mm -hmm. take it back from Edgar's, the bank, the car loan, whatever. And to say, what am I prepared to do radical for a short period of time to live differently for a long period of time mm-hmm. But most people Only focus on the short term Like oh My suffering now Instead of the long term mm. suffering So I really went Hang on If I go radical What can I do And I I was living in In a little townhouse That I would bought And I had a mortgage So I decided Okay I'll rent that out And I went and lived In, in a back room Of one of my sisters I said okay I negotiated hard For like Jeez. cheap rent goodness, I got yeah. rid of my car and back there, I was this little white chick with blonde hair getting taxis to yeah, work. Yeah, I went, yeah. because, and it was exciting and it was fun and it was liberating because I didn't, I didn't feel that it was depriving myself. Mm. I knew that with every step that I took, I was getting my freedom back. And within 18 months, I was able to clear all of that consumer debt, not my mortgage, because that's different, but that borrowing kind of credit card debt and, and store cards. And then I just had choice. The freedom was extraordinary. And I was able to go and travel and all sorts of things. And, and, you know, and that started the next part of the journey. I wasn't there yet, but this was absolutely key. And I learned so, you know, one, make a choice and decide that your life's worth more than those things and your freedom. Two, get radical, just cut out. And then of the debts that you do have, you need to get rid of them in a structured way. Mm-hmm. You can't do a bit here and a bit there. You find the debt that actually you're going to pay off the quickest. And that becomes your priority debt. So you keep paying all the minimum repayments and all the other debts, but that you will have one primary debt and everything else that you can throw at it, you do. You throw all the extra money at it. You sell stuff. You do extra work, whatever, because... Why it's the one that you can pay off quickest 
our unconscious loves success. True. You know, when you got the one thing and you celebrate and you tell everybody about it and you, you know, make a bit like you have, you know, the biggest losers when people have the weight loss thing. Yes. You know, I would love us to be able to have it for it to become sexy to get out of debt mm-hmm. where we celebrate, we post our status, you know, woohoo, you know, another, you know, brick down on that wall to our freedom, you know, gamify it for ourselves sure. and then you'll find you free. Wow, man. You know what what I found very powerful powerful about what you're saying is that um you know you were willing to humble yourself and it's you don't it's not a common thing that you find amongst people once you've got yourself to a comfortable position or we think it's a comfortable position yeah we yeah. think it's comfortable <laughs> and now you have to be uncomfortable where you have to let go of things especially yeah. things that are dear to your heart i mean letting go of a car is not easy sometimes yeah. you buy a car and you have so much attachment to it that doesn't matter what happens around around you yeah. you still want to keep the car but you have to let go and you have to let go you have to let go and that takes a lot of humbling of, of a person to be able to do such a thing you know thank you i hadn't thought of it in that way but absolutely but i think when we can humble ourselves to the things that we realize don't actually make us worthy i think one of the biggest journeys that i've had to go on and that i help people with now and realize that Nothing. There's nothing we can do or have or be or create or wear or drive that'll ever make us worthy. You know, we all, we are already all intrinsically enough. You know, you are just amazing and stunning and enough. Yes. You know, so am I, so is everybody else. Yes. So when we can approach life from going, well, none of these things can complete me or make me anything more. So I have these things as just a fun expression of my already worthiness. Mm-hmm. I think that really helps to know that we're actually humbling ourselves to life rather than to stuff. And it's actually liberating rather than humbling. And I think that so helped because now, you know, a lot of people in the similar stage to me who maybe only focused on the sacrifice or what will people think or I have to give up are still working hard for money. And I've been free for 13 years. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Do what I want. Yeah. All right. That's really cool. I mean, I'm just going to share something with the listeners back home and then we're going to get back and continue cool. with your story. So basically, Lera to Shabalala is back with a brand new episode today on this episode of Living It Up. Brought to you by Taylor Blinds and Shutters. Lera to chats to Jackie. Jackie Frost from Dream Furniture and Chantal Yonker. Uh, from Yonker Interiors to talk about uh, evolving children's spaces from nursery to spaces fit for toddlers and teenagers. Make sure to get new episodes every Thursday and explore interior design, making the best use of the space you have, how to make your room more intimate, decor for kids, and so much more. If you're a parent, you won't m- want to miss this week's show. Living it up with Lerato uh, Shabalala is brought to you by Tyler Blinds and Shutters. Are your windows and doorways crying out? For some much needed attention, Telebrands and Shutters are the stylish solution to give them a breath of fresh air. Trusted, innovative, quality and style. Telebrands and Shutters. So that's something that for you back home we can, um, you can consider. It's always nice to also, you know, have some tips to see how you can actually decorate your, your home. But yeah, we're going to go back, come back to you. Um, I'm just going to remind you back home that the person that I'm sitting with, sitting with, she's the best selling author of The Wealth Chef. She's a trainer, 
a speaker, an entrepreneur, and and a financial empowerment activist. She helps people how to master this vital life ingredient called money and uses it to create the life they truly want. She has been featured in the Sunday Times, the Sunday Express, Psychologies, Glamour, Cosmopolitan, Women's Health, and Huffington Huffington Post, among others, and is regularly interviewed on radio and TV. So you can, I'm sure back home you can hear from the way that she's expressing herself and the passion behind what she's speaking about, that she's all about what she's talking about, and it's real things. And it's so amazing because I'm from KZN, and when you heard me say that, hey... Um, you're coming from KZN. Where in KZN are you from? So I grew up just, if you know, Pine Town, just outside yes. of Durban, that area. That's where I grew oh, up. Oh, yeah. wonderful. But my accent's now weird because I then, in my engineering career, I lived all over the world. So I lived okay. in Hong Kong and Australia and the US and France oh, and okay. London. Yes. So that's why I've got such a chamor yeah. of an accent. But <laughs> I'm a zilly chick at my base. Yeah, because I mean, your, your English accent is, is quite, um, you know, European. Yeah. And, 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 you know, from other countries. All right. And then in terms of that journey because I'm sure this thing of you going to work in other countries how many other, how many countries did you work at so I've I've had the privilege of living in six different countries on five continents wow okay and you know what was so great there and you know and I choose to live here in Josie mm-hmm. how cool is that I can live anywhere but yes. I choose because this is just as you say it's one of the most beautiful extraordinary countries sure. and I think the opportunities we have mm-hmm. are amazing but you know, living and, and working in different countries, all the time I was then learning how to invest, create assets, managing my money better. I realized this money is a universal. Yeah. It doesn't matter whether I was in the US, in Australia, in France, in the UK. Um, the principles of actually great money management, being great with money, learning how to manage it, learning how to invest it, learning how to give it leadership – Applied everywhere. Sure. And this was also, it, it's so often we can go, oh, well, you know, I'm in South Africa, so I can't do X or Y, or I'm in this. And that is just stories. It really is because all of the opportunities to invest, whether it's in the stock market and property, create businesses, you know, the internet now has created and never before, you know, opportunities. I mean, look at Cliff Central. I mean, how cool is that? I mean, we're reaching people all over the world. True. 100%. And, you know, I think it's about us. We we have to first shift the way we think. And unfortunately, I think the biggest challenge we have is our education system does not people to think in an expansive way of how can I create value. There's this thing of how can I get a job that's going to rescue me. True. No, and that that is, I think, one of the, the such a limiting thing. Now, what I want to know from you, because you're touching quite a critical uh, point, which is education and. Yeah. Um, I myself have my own reservations because it's always important to self-criticize yourself. And, um, you know, when I look at the education system, I, I, it's great. It's brilliant. It gives yeah. people a head start in terms of having access to see how one can actually take themselves forward to staying relevant and, and yeah. conquering some of the challenges of life. But I find that, um, you know, I'm sure you are able to see, um, compare and contrast as you move from country to country yeah. and relating it into South Africa and Africa at large, what is it that maybe things that other young people don't really know or don't pay attention to that is so vital and important for them to make sure that they don't fall into debt and they stay striving yes um you know for excellence and 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 I'm talking about things that you know you can mention bringing back home that is so vital for us as young people to know. Okay. What is it that you can share? I think the most important first lesson is we we have to be lifetime learners. Mm. 
And I think we can be fed a story with our education. You know, maybe you finish school, go and do something after get get some sort of college degree or or, or some certificate program, sure. and we think we finished. Mm-hmm. We think that now gives us the the, the key to our life being sorted yeah. to a job that's going to protect us and look after us. And I think that's the most insidious lie that can be fed by education. There. Any kind of education is about expanding us, but it's just a door opener. We've got to keep taking responsibility to expanding ourselves in every area. You know, learning about money, learning about investing is just one area. But how do we keep being relevant? How do we keep staying? Part? Because at the end of the day, our relationship and our ability to get what we want sure. And whether it's stuff, whether it's experiences, whether it's security, whether to add value is about a value exchange. And we can only do that if we keep going, what is out there in the world to explore? What value can we bring to it? And an education can just give us some mechanisms to it. And I'm deeply grateful for the education I have. I'm deeply grateful that I was able to get, you know, a label around that. Let me get a certain job. Sure. But I'm also deeply grateful that I realized relatively early. Mm-hmm. That that was just one tiny element to my life, but I, so I think if we believe it, uh, the, the 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 lie that a job is going to save us, is it? And I just see so many people now in South Africa desperate to get that one certificate. That believing if they can just get that job, mm. then everything's going to be okay. Yes, but it's it's just one aspect, and, and that's just, I think it's a privilege to be able to work. Hundred percent. You know, when so many people just wish they could work because yes. of unemployment. Yes. So I'm never ever in the wildest dreams ever going to run that down because I think it's part of dignity True. to be able to contribute. Yes. But I think we've got a system that also a lot of the education system that teaches people just how to do certain tasks, mm-hmm. not how to think in terms of how can I add value? You know, and I spend quite a lot of time in the States because I speak all over the world now and run you know seminars and do all sorts of stuff. Sure. And, you know, it's amazing as it's, the South African chick, literally, you know, whether it's in the US, <laughs> all over the place, yeah. and they don't mind this accent yeah. at all. In fact, they think it's quite cool. It is. It and is. Um, they, the key message is about if we can approach not how can I get a job and now I just tick boxes, but yeah. constantly saying, how can I add value? Yeah. How can I add value? That question makes sure that we stay relevant. Because it just opens a different thing. And so then you're just going to be better at your job. You're going to be more creative rather than believing a job is just following a certain tick box. And a lot of our education system unfortunately does that. Whereas some other societies are far more about how do we know that we, we're constantly growing, we're constantly learning, we're constantly expanding. It's our creativity that creates our wealth. You know, and, and well, our life, but it's also our creativity that creates our wealth. And we haven't even got into some of the asset class, but you know, there's many, many assets we can create that don't require money, yes. but they do require creativity. And it's about creating a solution. There's many property strategies you can do to, you know, make a, a fantastic money that isn't about you owning the asset, but it's about thinking, how do I add value and to be expansive? Mm-hmm. So keep learning. So key lessons. It does, you never, you're a lifetime learner. I'll be learning until I slide sideways into the grave. You know, mm-hmm. you said right at the beginning, we never stop learning. 100%. And two, ask the question of how, how can I add value yeah. in every area? And then you'll always, life will be on your side. Awesome. Now, I want to delve deeper into the, the book, the wonderful cool. book that you have here with me. I was so excited when you gave it to me. I didn't Yay! even see. I was like, wow, okay. 
And yeah, it's called The Wealth Chef. And I'm interested to know, I mean, what, what made you think of such a title? So when I was thinking about my own journey and learning about money, I really realized I had had this sort of relationship that money was a thing out there. It was a mm. bit frightening. I'd also thought investing was scary. It was complicated. You know, it was, it was a thing that old white men did. <laughs> you yes. know, like the stock market thing. Yes. You needed a lot of money for it. And then as I started getting involved with it, I realized money is just an ingredient. It's just an element into life. And I thought, sure. wow, if I approached money in the same way as, say, I approach cooking, mm-hmm. I don't get terrified if I see a recipe. I just go, oh, shit, let me give it a go. You know, okay, I need an onion and a this and a that. And I thought, if I approach property investing or stock market in a similar way, how would that be? Rather than the scary, complicated, and you know what? If I get one dish wrong, I don't say, "Oh my God, I'm stupid. Wealth's not for me, or cooking's not for me," because I need to cook, I need to eat. So this is where I thought, well, if we approach money and stuff from that way, and so I went, cool. On that journey, I really realized there were just five core areas that also, if I just did them over and over. <laughs> I would get better and better at them and they created wealth. And so there were these five recipes that I realized that they are just like recipes because actually creating wealth is pretty straightforward. It's just about following a series of actions and doing them over and over and over. It's more about consistency mm-hmm. than than any fancy strategy. It really is. It's just yeah. about consistently doing the right thing. Yes. You know, and so this is why I came up with the concept of the wealth chef was about money as an ingredient. How do you learn these things? You know, so these recipes are first off just you've got to manage your money. You've, you've got to get intimate with it. Most people work so damn hard for it. And then as soon as it comes in their life, just want to get rid of it. It's sure. as though, you know, imagine if you go out dating, you've spent all this time on Tinder, whatever, you found this ideal person yeah. and then you just ignore them mm. or you tell them to go and date your mate. Yeah. You know, that's what most people do with money. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. like work so hard for it and then quickly get rid of it. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas if we learn how to just manage it, how do we carve it up, give it, know where it's coming from, know where it's going. So that is the key thing, just day-to-day management, but also how do we carve it up? We've got to keep some of that money and convert it into assets. We have to. There is no way around it. Mm-hmm. Then the second thing is learning how to invest, sure. learning how to create assets. So I call this, ex- you've got to learn how to expand that dough because saving and investing are two very different things. Okay. And again, we're not taught the difference. 100%. You know, saving, so we've got to learn the practice of keeping some of it in our life, which is part of that first practice. But the second practice is then actually converting that money into investments 100%. so they can grow and create investments. So that's recipe number two. And it literally, it can just be a regular thing you do over and over and over. Number three is getting rid of that consumer debt and putting your debt elimination just into a structured way. You know, the more we can automate all of these things, the better it is for us because actually it's us humans and our emotions that mess it up for ourselves the whole time. (laughs) Then number four is how do we protect it all? Sure. You know, um, one of the big areas that I discovered we have huge waste is an area of insurance. We also don't understand the role of wills power of attorneys and I realized that these were key they're actually part of creating our wealthy life mm-hmm. you know things like 
funeral plans. So many of these things are so bad for our wealth. They're great for the people that sell, sell them to us. <laughs> and they sell to us on fear. Yeah. So when we can actually learn and go, hang on, let me understand how these work. You know, mm. what am I actually believing that I'm buying? Mm. Cool. How else could I have it? Could I have it in a cheaper way? Could I have it in a way that supports me? True. You know, it would be so better to go, oh, you know what? If I took that same money and I invested it into an index tracker, yeah. which is a low cost stock market based investment. Yeah. And I could also do it collectively with my family. You know, if when one of us die, we'll have all the money we need for the funeral and the assets beyond. Mm-hmm. You know, it's little things like this. So really un- important understanding this protection piece. And then the third one is just that self-mastery, really knowing what we want. Because this is one of the toughest things, is actually to claim back, what do I want from my life? What do you want from your life? And then realizing, you know, heaps of the stuff that I've been spending my time, my energy on, my money on is because either the magazines tell I should have it or the parents tell I should or society, but it's not my truth. And then, so this discernment is really key. And it's just those five elements. And there are, they practice, there's structures around how to do them. And so that's what's covered in the Wealth Chef and really going into details of how do you do, how do you invest in index trackers? How do you get stock market investment working for you? How to put your, your debt blitzing plan in place? How, um, what do you need in terms of insurances? What don't you need? What do things like wills? How do you manage your money day to day? So it, it's really very much the book that I wish I would found. When when I started that journey, there's inspiration, but you can't just have inspiration. You know, True. some books are like, woohoo, we'll yeah. manifest our money, yay, you mm-hmm. know, the positive thinking, which yeah. is really important, yes. visualize what we want, mm-hmm. but it's a bit like a, you know, a real tease, and then you're left like, now what, <laughs> you know, yes. there was like, there's no how-to. Yeah. And then on the other hand, I would pick up some investment books and it was like, oh my God, you know, put you to sleep. Yeah, some of them go into oh. really deep theory and, and stuff that you really don't need to hear. Exactly. And it, it's a bit too and much. And it makes no difference, yes. but it's almost to just try and prove that this isn't for people like us. Mm. And so the Welsh is the, the both put together. The practical how-to steps together with that knowing what you want and actually you know one of the most important things so if there's only one thing you take away from that book is knowing what your freedom number is okay freedom number so i don't know if you would can i dive into what your freedom number is yeah you can okay good so this is super important you know what is terrifying is less than five percent of the population and this is around the world this is in developed countries and in developing countries actually ever achieve financial freedom Meaning they have enough assets to earn them the, the money that they need to live the lifestyle they choose. Okay. Really important. So that's the definition that I'm talking about, financial freedom. So re- it's, a, it, you know, it's not some woohoo concept. So and the, what, there's two reasons why I believe most people never do. The very first reason is it's a, it's a vague concept. Financial freedom is like this nice thought. It's something out there. Like if I have all the money I want, it's a bit like if I win the lottery, I'll do these things. But yeah. there's no like real tangible. Like, I well, really what agree is with that? You. Yes. So, like for example, do you know what your freedom number is? Do you know what the value of the assets is that you need for you to never have to work again? Jeez, that's powerful. Do you know that number? 
Not really. Do you, okay. Well, once you've just read the first section of that book or join me at, you know, next weekend on the 28th or 29th at Robert Kiyosaki, you will know. Mm-hmm. So what it is, it's super important we get to that detail. Mm-hmm. And we first start by going, well, what, what do I want? Mm-hmm. What lifestyle do I want? Okay. And I think that in a way can also be so high. So that we start off with what I call our break even number. Sure. And just say, okay, if I had my, even my color, current income, or, or whatever the cost of my current lifestyle is now, if I had all the money I need to cover this lifestyle earned by assets, how would that feel? And for most people go, well, that would be a good start because then that's like, hey, it might not be your freedom, you know, the ultimate lifestyle, True. but it would still be pretty freeing. Yeah. And so you can start then, you know, it might be 10,000 a month, it might be 20,000, it might be 50,000, it doesn't matter what it is, but it is important we get specific. Sure. Because it's this lack of specificity means that we can we, never put a plan together. Yes. So then you say, so let's say, for example, it's 100,000 rand a month to cover this lifestyle. Sure. You then go, okay, well, what's that a year? So we say, okay, well, if it's 100,000 a month, we times that by 12. So now we know what our annual income is needed. So now that tells you, ah, I need assets that earn me that 100,000 rand a month or 10,000 rand. You know, there's no judge. We get to choose what that number is. Mm. But now you've like going, oh, that's my target. So now in the book, I use an equation. It's a bit difficult on the radio. It doesn't really matter. But it's basically saying if you take your annual income and you divide it by 8% by 0.08. And some of you might go, oh, God, Anne's doing numbers. That's why I don't want to get it overcomplicated. When you do that formula, it will actually tell you the amount of assets you need. So if you need – so if you want – I'm just trying to think of the formula head. But actually, we can even look it up in the book in the the next break. Mm -hmm. But – uh, you now get a number, so it might it might come out and pop out and say you need seven and a half million of assets. So this could be in investment property, it could be in businesses, it could be like vending machines, ATMs. Do you know ATMs could be owned by individuals, vending machines, all wow. of those things could be earning you money. Mm-hmm. But investing in the stock market to that value will then be able to earn you that income. Now you've got a plan. Now you know where your destination is. Whereas for most people, and I was in that place, was just, well, someday I might have enough. But we don't know what enough is. So if we have, you know, if I said, let's go on a trip. And you go, yay. The one of the next questions you're going to go is, where do we want to, where do you want to go? We, we know that we have to know what our destination is to even have the next conversation to have sure. the next step. The same with financial freedom. We've got to know that destination. Mm-hmm. So then we can put the plan together because then we can say, well, where are we currently? Mm-hmm. You know, maybe we're in debt. We may have got some assets. Maybe we're just breaking even. Mm-hmm. But then we go, oh, cool. Now we know the destination and we know where we are. And then you put the plan together. And so that, once you know that, you're in the realms of like 5% of the population knows what their freedom number is. And it's liberating because you know where you can get to it. The second big reason that most people don't is because of this belief that they need to earn more money. And that's the thing that just keeps us earning. But we've you know discussed a lot. So with those two things, when you shift your focus to knowing what your destination is and you shift your focus from trying to earn more income to instead, how do I create assets? Mm-hmm. Your whole, your, your path is a completely different one. And one is a path of just more of the same sure. and staying in economic and financial prison. And the other is the path to freedom. This is so amazing.
is just so empowering and, cool. and really, really, it's amazing because, I mean, I, I, I'm a person that is in the media yeah. and and entertainment industry, and we we um, you familiar with with the with the uh, with the DJ called Black Coffee? Yes, yes, yes. Black Coffee is one obviously one of the DJs in South Africa that is paving a way. Yeah, amazing stuff. To go abroad, yeah. he's playing all over Europe. Yeah. He's going to Spain. He's going to Italy. Everywhere. And this is something that we something that wasn't really prevalent in the in the in the South African setup. No, I mean everybody that was in the entertainment saw themselves that when you make it in South Africa, that is it. Yeah. And now, obviously, with him being, you know, spreading his wings and going to these other European countries, he play, plays, plays in Brazil, South America. Oh. He goes to Europe. He yeah. goes to Rome. He goes to Italy. He goes to Spain. And you find that the level of lifestyle, how it transformed. And, you know, for me as an individual, I look at that in the ISS because some of the videos that they post on on Instagram, you find that they are in an area, either in Spain, at the beach close to the ocean. Yeah. And you find that people are parking their, their boats and boats to them are like cars, you know. And, yeah. And, and I know that it's something that a lot of the people in South Africa would dream to have a boat and all of these nice yeah. things. And there are people, I'm not saying there isn't, but a very small minority. Yeah. But what I'm saying is it's, it's things that you dream about, but for them it's normal. But then how do you then make yourself catch up to that level, which is very possible. And it's not something that is impossible. Yeah. And again, I find it as an inspiration because he's managed to get himself to another level where, I mean, a DJing career was something that people looked down upon. That's it. It was and, like, and, oh, yeah. And now he's able to really delve to the another level of mm-hmm. economy and he's able to up, upskill and upgrade his level of lifestyle in South Africa. Why am I mentioning this? I'm mentioning it in a sense that it's all about thinking big. Yes. And believing that you can get there. Because again, it doesn't mean that if you're in South Africa and you want to, you know, achieve financial freedom, you're only thinking about earning your money only in rents. Well, this is it. So many people think that they, we were restricted geographically. Thank and, you. And we're not. You know, and, and also it doesn't mean you have to move to a different country. So True. You can have this expansive base. And I think this is why it's so important we understand that actually only 20% Cent. of our wealth is created by a strategy or a tactic or the money management. Yeah, yeah. 80% is, is about this. 100%. It's focusing on how do I expand value mm-hmm. that, but mm-hmm. really starting to come and, and with some deep compassion to ourselves mm. because we all have our <laughs> stuff, you know, to true. go, what is it that I believe to be true that just ain't so? Mm-hmm. Um, where am I choosing to box myself in mm. or boxing myself in because of beliefs that I've taken on by my family? My society, um, my identity, and we we have to really be prepared to go to some uncomfortable place and really challenge that because often our identity is is one of our biggest drivers, and we can tell these stories about ourselves as you know we're Africa or this and and and, and you know the truth is Africa's not broken. We're extraordinary. We've got the most unbelievable creativity. We are the, the most extraordinary energy and hub. Yeah. But we have to believe True. its value and worth and stop trying to be a pastiche American mm. or a this no. Yeah. But there is this side. But also just step by step. And and so things like you talk about Black coffee, he adds massive value, but he also comes from a deep energy of knowing that he's worthy. And there's a subtle difference. It's not a, it's not about an arrogance. Mm-hmm. He's not trying to prove or get his validation. Mm-hmm. 
Mm. He's exploring the world, but and but also not apologetic. He's I'm here, and of course, why wouldn't you love me? And of course, I'm adding value. And you know what? If if I'm not to your taste. Go and get some white coffee, for God's sake. You know what I mean? <laughs> but he's not yeah. taking it personally. And 100%, so this yeah. is why I also want to really encourage, because right now we're sitting with so many people say to me, and I, you know, the economy in South Africa, I can't get a job. And I'll go, well, have you gone online and even just gone onto like sites like Upwork or Fiverr? If you've got any kind of skill, are you putting it out there? Yeah. You, the entire world is your market. Stop thinking of, Small. you know, Josie or, or Soweto or even South Africa. Yeah. Think about that. But we have to keep challenging ourselves because these beliefs are the things that keep us Mm. prisoned. And even when I started The World Chef, I really had to go through that whole, who am I? Why will people listen to me? I'd created my financial freedom, but I used to build railways. You know, why would anybody listen to me after all? There's already a whole lot of other people, you know, and I had to go through what I really talk about. We have to all fight with our, we're not enough monster. Mm-hmm. I'm not good enough yet, and so I'll, I'll keep practicing, and I'll keep doing this, or I won't get out there. Or and we'll we will talk ourselves down. So we'll talk ourselves down from believing that we can expand and have all these things. There's there's something that a friend of mine liked saying. He always said there's a lot of people that suffer from analysis paralysis, <sighs> where you know what you got to do, but you stare at it, you figure out the problem. But you don't take the steps to actually do it. And you keep walking and you around keep walking and around. And around and around. And this is where, and a lot of analysis paralysis, I believe, comes from that feeling where I, where I said, they're not enough. I don't have enough information. I'm not good enough yet. I need more. I've got to study more. I've got to do more. But it's deep fear of, of making a mistake. Mm. And this is, I think, one of the biggest things that all of us have to work on and just deeply accept we're going to fail. Yeah. We're going to fail. We're going to make a mistake. You know, there's that lovely Michael Jordan, um, you know, the basketball player, and he goes, I failed over and over and over, and that's why I succeed. And I think whether it's everything in life, if we've got to be prepared to let move up, you know, and you use that word humble, but I think the more we can just separate our ego and our identity from when we're trying new things and realizing failing, making a mistake, falling down, getting it wrong – doesn't make us failures. It actually makes us winners because we're doing something. And we only learn by doing. And when we find ourselves stuck in that not taking action and that nervous paralysis really go in and, and if we dig down, there's some belief or there's a fear of rejection. There's a fear of getting it wrong, fear of being ridiculed. And we realize the, the, the greatest thing we should fear is never actually being able to live our lives fully. All right, like um, I always say, that is important. Actually, we actually at the end of the show we can oh go on God, and on. How time did that happen? Just, time has just flown so quickly. But one thing that I always say that is important that as a person you upskill yourself, you you teach yourself, and you are aware of things that are happening around you. And it's things like seminars, it's things like workshops, it's things like a lot of them that are around us. We always ask questions, but they are at our disposal. Yeah. I'm very well that you can, there's going to be a seminar seminar that's happening next week, right? Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And many people might have heard of Robert Kiyosaki, the the author of the Rich Dad Poor Dad books. That for me was one of the first books that I started my wealth 
journey that helped me really understand about assets. Mm. And so he's going to be out in South Africa and there's a group of amazing speakers, including me. Yes. Hell yeah. Um, <laughs> at a business investor summit. And we're going to be teaching about assets, investing, how to also create second jobs, incomes, businesses online, things from everything from investing in the stock market to cryptocurrency. So I'll be speaking. Yeah. 28th and 29th of July at the Santon Convention Center. And people can get their tickets at the Business Investor Summit ZA. Um, dot com and they can use forward slash and or just go dot com business investor summit za and it would just be so awesome to see them there and really come and immerse yourself learn about expand the you the greatest asset you have and thank you so much for coming through i really enjoyed being with you on the show it's really been empowering something that is very unique um thank you so much really appreciate it my absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me here. All right, cool. So this is Bokuzi closing off on the, on cliffcentral.com. Thank you so much for tuning in. You can catch the podcast on www.cliffcentral.com or you can also catch us on social media. It's at cliffcentral. You can also follow me at Spokuzi on Instagram and, and Twitter and on Facebook. It's DJ Spokuzi. You can follow me right there on the platforms. Thank you so much. So, so much. We're going to catch you again next week. Same time, same place. Goodbye. This is cliffcentral.com.